Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. We rolling? <laughs> do we, do hey, we want to be rolling? We're rolling. All welcome, right. uh, welcome to the podcast. This is uh, Gimpy uh, John. Gimpy, very uh, humiliated, kind of pathetic-looking uh, version of uh, Deacon John, and then Joe <laughs> in his pristine physical form as usual <laughs> hardly good to be back uh i'm happy to hear that uh, anybody's listening to this today survived two podcasts with uh nathan Goebel. he uh he was less scandalous than i thought he would be i'll just say that much so he, uh, less offensive but uh no it was great to have him plug in no, he did a great job he did great and uh, we hope to uh have him back um uh here soon enough so hopefully he'll get plugged back in again he is uh really one of the funniest guys i think we know he's just so ridiculous. That's definitely true. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say about Goebel is uh, definitely virgin. I don't know about martyr, though. That's, uh, <laughs> that was the stretch. But uh, that's that. I, uh, John, why don't you tell everybody what happened to you, man? Well, you already did tell everybody what happened to me. and uh, it was. I don't horrific. know if I got the story no, right, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't say that you were crying or any of that stuff. I mean, Well, you, you certainly accented the fact that it was on a blue run, uh, which is the ultimate uh, humiliation. But my uh, my saving grace is that I was telemark skiing. So I was like essentially learning how to ski again. Uh, ski popped off, and uh, it was just one of those total fluke things. I've wiped out a million times. And it was Mogul's it was and right under the uh, lift, too, it? Wasn't was under it? the lift. It was like the ultimate. Did uh, you get any cheers? Uh, no cheers. It was about negative 20 out there. Ooh. So not a lot of people were skiing. It was a Tuesday, and uh, but uh, my friend who I was skiing with, when I wiped out, I said, all right, ski down and tell Ski Patrol. And uh, there was a second wipeout. Let's just say that much. She got nervous, passed, and uh, crashed as she was going down and uh, ended up uh, getting a concussion and a neck sprain. No way. So when, I didn't know when that. they took me down the sled, uh, I got into the ambulance, and there she was on oxygen. I was like, what the heck happened to you? So it was a disastrous day. <laughs> Uh, and then I got back to the seminary and found out that uh, they had proclaimed it a study day. So then it looked like, oh, what's this deacon doing? So it was just like disaster after disaster. Uh, but then I had surgery about 10 days after that. Um, and there's these two huge Home Depot screws in the middle of my ankle now. Uh, and I'm on crutches. Had my first wipeout this morning. That was pretty sweet. Uh, I can't imagine that, that was that fun. Uh, uh, there'll be another surgery after um after Easter to take out the screws right after our little... We were going to do some hiking and climbing over after Easter, but... Not uh, anymore. That ain't going to happen. Hopefully by the time I'm ordained, I will not be on crutches. Uh, I will definitely not be on crutches, but uh, hope to be fully rehabbed by May 21st, the big day. Back so, to your physically pristine form. Yes, that's the hope. So, uh, you know, there's only one way to humility, and that's by humiliation. Uh, and uh, so I just got to keep that in mind. Well, the good thing about this is that you've had a lot of time, you know... Sit around, spend time with family, read books, have some leisure. Yeah, I've had a lot of time. That's why today's topic was is fitting, I think. Uh, leisure, the basis of culture, is the name of our topic today, which is the title from a book that came out in 1948. This is one of the best books I've ever read. It's by a guy named Josef Pieper. It sounds just like a rationalization of laziness. Yeah, leisure, ju- justifying our laziness. Well, here's the thing, Joey. So I, uh, I got in this accident, and I all I could do is sit, and I had to keep it elevated. Mm-hmm. Um, and iced, and my parents had this really awesome swivel chair that also kicks up, and it was just sweet. And so I just sat in that thing for about three weeks, and uh, could hear myself getting fatter, as uh, Chris Farley once said. Um, but just read constantly. And one of the things I went back to was this book on leisure because I realized here I am stuck, uh, and I can't move. 
but there's something about this pace of life that actually is fitting. And I started to get into kind of a rhythm and I started to reflect back upon my own life. What was I doing before that Tuesday? It was actually one month ago today. How crazy is that? Really? Uh, was exactly, it after a, first? exactly a month ago um, that that crash happened. So I was thinking, how was I living before then? And then how would I change that in light of kind of this slower pace? And we're going to talk about that for oh, a couple cool. minutes today. So, so that's that. So let's get into leisure. Uh, leisure, the basis of culture. So the argument of this book, essentially, and this is a philosophical book. It's not just like a fun little read. It's a little technical, but I, I think you'd enjoy it. The basis, of, uh, the essence of the book is saying this: uh, at the foundation of culture, at the foundation of civilization, is leisure, not work. Man exists not to work, but for leisure. Now, this is very important, and he wrote this in 1948. And specifically, what he's countering is Karl Marx, hmm. founder of you know Marxism, socialism, communism came, came out of this system. And one of Marx's philosophical um, assumptions, what he uh, just is presumed in his system is that man exists to work, right? The dignity of man rests in the effectiveness of his work. That's Marx. To right, that's where he has, like, fullest expression of himself. That's exactly. where he's fully alive when he's exactly. working. Exactly. But so the elderly would be have less dignity because they can't work as effectively. Children, not as effective. So it's the working kind of communist man that is, the he's got the full dignity. So if he can't work, i.e., you know, gimpy deacon here, I can't do anything, um, all of a sudden, I'm rendered ineffective to the to the state and um, a burden to the state. That's interesting because I don't think that's just communism. I, mean, I think that's like very American in a exactly. lot of sense too. Like we we're workaholics. Exactly, you know? exactly. The communist state is what he's arguing about specifically, but what he calls the workaday world. This it's essentially workaholism. He's saying workaholism doesn't work, whether it's in communist form and, it, and you're being told to do that by the state, or it's in unbridled capitalism, which we see in the West, um, which is just sacrifice everything for the dollar and people get sacrificed constantly for it um in either of those forms it's totally destructive and it destroys people in fact i was thinking about this today because my father um is a vice president of human resources and i was just thinking about that word i was like human resources (laughs) what are we doing calling them and he would probably be upset if i was making fun of his title but um why are we calling them resources? You know what I mean? It's like I have my computer and then I have this human being and both of them need to produce this much work um, or I need right. to terminate them. They just like look at the computer, see dollar sign, they look at the people, see another <laughs> see dollar, dollar sign. sign. Yeah. And my dad does very good work. And no, he, your dad yeah, is great. He's great. But human resources, I thought that's this very strange phrase. And so what Peeper's proposing and I think what the church is proposing um, and what I'm going to give a little pilot run to this summer is I'm going to try and train um, college kids in a life of leisure. I'm going to try and propose this to him. I work with a program this summer. This summer. I work with a program called Totus Tuus, which is a, uh, it trains, you train college kids to go out and do evangelize and to teach, and they run camps for kids all week. So they're fully missionaries for a summer. And, um, but what I want to teach them is that in the midst of work, how do you have leisure? Because you can't just not work. That's not what we're saying. And that's not what um, people are saying. You have to work. And you and I have to work. We have to go to class today. We have to go to meetings. We have to go to the different things. I have to get on my crutches and try and go down 15 stairs. That's how many stairs are over there. Did you know that? Across the, to get out that door. Yeah, you I would guess never, you know now. You would never count, but ah, I now do. Um, so leisure is the foundation of our life, and it's the purpose of our life. It's the beginning and the end of our life, not the uh, exclusive thing that we do. So that's really an important distinction to start off with. Okay, well, real quick. I'm yeah. sorry. A lot of people... Uh, might be hearing this and being like, what's the difference, though, between leisure and laziness? I mean, I can see why work isn't the be-all and end-all, I guess. Right. But like, Let's go back to the Greek world. 
the the first people to develop an understanding of what leisure is, um, and and like we're saying, where this is different than laziness, just um, lack of activity. Um, there's something positive about it that I'm going to try and show you. So mm-hmm. Aristotle, Aristotle uh, is the first, and he writes about leisure as a virtue, right? Which is a, a habit that disposes one to do the good. So it actually forms us in something positive. Le- the leisure, the word for leisure in Greek is skole, which is uh, you're le- studying your Greek, so that's the long e. Is that the eta? Is that what you call it? Eta, eta. There you go. Skole, which pre- which translates into Latin as skola, and then into German as schul. And into English as school. Oh. So the purpose of school, the purpose of education, is leisure. Now, Thomas Aquinas translates Aristotle's understanding of uh, leisure, which is essentially the same as true education. Um, He translates that as the vita contemplativa, the contemplative life. Ah, now it's starting to kind of unfold. What is this leisure? Well, it's not just sitting around watching football on Sundays. Okay, there's something deeper about it. So according to Aristotle and the Greeks... Leisure is the is the deepest form of education. That's the uh, the very depth of it, the very heart of it, is this sense of leisure, forming man for this good, this habit, this virtue, that um, is deeper and more important than anything else. It's the whole purpose of education. And then Thomas Aquinas is going to call that contemplative prayer. So in light of Christ and in Christian revelation, we see the, what the Greeks were starting to figure out on a natural level perfected. That is, man exists for contemplation. Man exists... Um, for uh, a resting in God. That's what contemplation is. Contemplation versus meditation in prayer is uh, the difference between activity in prayer and non-activity in prayer. It's kind of like the whole Martha Mary thing. Exactly. Like Martha's kind of, you know, that's kind of why the Lord rebukes her, you know. Doesn't he say to Martha that, you know, Mary has chosen the better half and it will not be taken from her. I guess the better half is, and traditionally that's been interpreted as the contemplative life. Exactly. As opposed to the, the work life, the apostolic life, which is necessary and good, but not best. Right. What's best and what right. what's the highest in man, I guess is what he's saying. Right. Isn't our ability to do things, but it's our ability to be in the presence of God. Exactly. Exactly. That really is the purpose of human life. That that rest uh, and that quiet and that stillness that comes with prayer, which you and I have experienced and a lot of people who are listening to this have experienced. Um, that's what makes prayer beautiful, those moments. Now it's not always there. Sometimes you gotta you gotta pick up Lexia, pick up the beads for the rosary, that kind of thing. And that's very helpful, but the purpose is to get us to stillness, uh, be at leisure uh, with the Lord. Now, the hinge point here is education. And this is where it went the opposite direction in the modern world. So if you have this working world, then you have education ordered to leisure with God, which we call contemplation. Right. But when you take education and you twist it, and you make it at the service of, of work, which is what all education That's is. totally how it is okay? now. <laughs> totally what education is now is job training. Okay, mm-hmm. you, We have state-controlled, ideologically, and this is, this is a big thing for me, so don't be offended, but I'm public school trained. It's, there's an ideology that's driven behind this, and it's about making money. And when you go to college, you're not being educated. All you're doing is being trained technically to do some kind of specialized work and make money. Or to be qualified. Or to be I mean, qualified. I, I remember when I was studying philosophy uh, for my undergrad, I would always get that question. Like, the first question everybody asks whenever they you tell them what they're going to study, they always ask, well, what are you going to do with that? Exactly. Like, the whole purpose that you study something is so you can do something with it. I mean, and I don't mean to, like, totally demonize that attitude or something, because that's, uh, that's how a lot of people think. But it's it, not necessarily bad. But there's, there's something here that's a little off and a little... Is that really the purpose of our education, just to do? Yeah. Or is it, like you're saying, maybe well, something else? The purpose of education... 
uh, which was called liberal education in the Greek world. Right, now, that's a now liberal we, education. Now we have a different understanding, but liberal coming from the Latin word liber, which means free. It's free from uh, servile. Edu- servile education means you're, you're trained to do this technical thing, right? Joe's going to be a trash man, so i got to train him how to use the, you know, the dumpster and the whole bit, that kind of thing. That's servile education. Liberal education is you're free of that. You're free of... Um, it having a, an end in jo- in a job in a work it's free for leisure for contemplation but the end is just to learn right it's for the sake of learning for cultivating a mind well trained and ordered to the contemplative life this is why kids hate religious education what's the point of this every morning and every sunday at 9 a.m i teach about a fifth bunch of fifth graders and um I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks because of the injury, but I'm excited to get back. But they just like they don't get religious education, and, and because religious education seems like this other thing that you just have to do, but it really doesn't have a purpose. Um, and that's precisely the problem: is that all of education used to be ordered to to liberating man. It used to be liberal, and it used to serve him towards contemplation. So you ask why. Do we live in a world that doesn't understand prayer, doesn't like prayer, doesn't feel comfortable with prayer? Well, because we have education has been totally collapsed and destroyed from what it truly was meant to be. That's really cool. Man does not, what is he saying that? He says, man does not live to work. He works to live. Exactly. Like we work in order that we can have our material needs satisfied so we can have leisure, so we can live the contemplative life. So I have a question here. Yes, sir. A lot of people are going to be listening to this and be like, well, this is great, John, but I have, you know, six kids and a a 40-hour-a-week work job, and I don't have time to be like a monk half right. of my life. So how does, how does this apply and that is to the, most Catholics? That is the tough thing, is that we're living at a pace of life in our modern culture. Um, and just to keep your job, you have to stay at that pace. And that's, uh, and that's a very, very difficult thing. Um, but there are other ways you can be totally radical. Um, the destroyer of leisure is the television. And um, I would say, you know what, you, you, if you're convicted by this, Pack up the TV for Lent. Just put it in a box. You don't have to get rid of it. Just put it in a box for 40 days and look at how your life's different with your family. Start playing games at night. Uh, have some reading time. I know a family, five kids, but they have a quiet hour every day. And the kids just have to go do their own thing. They can read. They can sleep. They can do whatever they want. But it's like, let's let's recover this. Instead of the kids get home from school and then we bust every different sport um, and we do all these different things. It, it, the act, activism of our life is we go from workaholism at work to workaholism in sports. And we wonder why we don't have time for leisure. I know another family in town. They have six kids. Um, and they just decided, you know what? You each can have one extra cooker activity this year because we want to have a family life together. We want to actually have meals together. And that's bold. And the kids were like, what the heck? But they actually, it's bearing fruit in their life. So I guess that would be my first two thoughts. The TV time. Um, what about and Sunday? Sunday is obviously the day for rest. It's the day for leisure. So set that apart um, and cut activities you know and this is hard it's easy for me to say oh this kind of cleric who lives in this kind of fantasy world <laughs> i know it's tough my family lived by the it's a religion uh, of sports and uh it just took over our lives but you know think about what you can what can we change and and how can we take this lent as a trial run reading is the is the re-education of your children that will order them towards contemplative prayer the more that they read the more that they like solid stuff in a liberal way the more that they will uh, love prayer and yeah. that their life will have meaning more than just work. So That's awesome stuff. Yeah, man. So no, that's, it's huge, too. I think it's, it's totally countercultural uh, as far as our American lifestyle. Funny thing about the TV, too, um, my brother, Paulie, uh, who is a regular listener to this podcast, so he's going to be really excited I'm talking about him right now. Yeah. But when you said that about the TV, I had to think about him because right. him and his wife sat down over New Year's, and they do this every year at the beginning of the year, just kind of review of their life. 
And one of the things they realize is that they don't have enough time uh, for one another. They don't have enough time to pray, especially. Right. They find that they're just really too tired, and they're watching way too much TV. So he just made the decision. He said, we're just going to get rid of it. And so right. what they, they didn't get rid of it. They packed up in a box. They took TV out. In fact, where they have the TV, I think they made a little like prayer corner. Or nice. Whatever. That's great. Um, and he's like, it's been, it's like changed their, for the last two months, they've just been loving it. He's been right. praying every morning. He's, he's been going to bed earlier, waking up earlier, having more time with his wife. It's just actually been a great, and they have two little kids with one on the way. Um, I don't know if you knew that, by the way. Pretty exciting. Oh, great. Congratulations. Um, so they have, a, they have a busy life, uh, but this is, that has been a great thing for them. And I think what they're rediscovering isn't just prayer, but is is kind of a leisure. It's, it's different when they're not working. Uh, TV doesn't really... Um, and spirituality at the seminary, uh, one other the priest who ran it for us used to always use this uh, distinction. He'd say, um, "There's the difference between just being just kind of uh, just vegging out or whatever, and having real recreation." And right. he would break down the word recreation and recreation. Right, right. Like, what does this after you know? I watch three hours of football on a Sunday. Do I actually feel renewed, rejuvenated, re- ready to go back into the work week? Right, right. Or do I just kind of be like, man, I'm. I totally just wasted three hours and now, you know, now I got, you know, this happened in an hour and this happened in 10 minutes. Um, The trick is to find something uh, during those Sundays, especially that it's really going to be life giving, you know, read a book, maybe take a walk, go to the park, hang out with your friends, have a picnic, something like that. That's not, that's not focused on anything except an end in itself. Exactly. Just to be, be a human being and not a human doing. Exactly. Exactly. The, the medievals had this great phrase, Adre sequitur esse, which is really, really important. Be action follows being what we do follows who we are. And we live in a world that just doesn't even talk about that. It's just do, 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 do. And don't think about anything. The great thing about Paul and Mora, they stopped, they thought about it together as a couple. And that's what I'd suggest. If this is a, if you're a married man listening to this, sit down with your wife and say, I think we need to uh, reevaluate and then pray about it. Cause the Lord will give you, Inspirations and it'll look different in everybody's life. Uh, I was just talking to my sister about this a couple days ago, and um, she is going to be uh, getting married in July. My first wedding, very exciting. But she's trying to figure out how can we catch this life because um, we don't want the workaholism um, that has been in the world, especially for the last fifty years. We just don't want it, and we don't want to be lazy either because that doesn't satisfy. This is something very different than both of those, and it's a freer, more beautiful way to live. So. Beautimus, man. I'll just keep talking on this. So you better go to the questions. <laughs> I right. love this topic. This is good stuff. Yeah, yeah. this is a that's a great topic, though, man. Um, yeah. So we got one email for you, and okay. it's kind of a pop quiz. So you have to oh, be geez. able. You got to be on your toes, man. I know you're a little rusty, but all right. So this uh, email is from Patrick, and Pat says, "Hello. This is," and he says, "This has been a debate between some of my friends, family, and I for quite some time." And this question is about Lent. Lent. So okay. Kind of applicable. Oh, uh, I think Lent's I know where this up. is going. Um, Sundays? uh, Yeah, so let me read read it here. So, I and my family included was always told that Sundays are not a day of Lent and we could partake in what we had given up. A few of my friends and extended family say that it doesn't make sense, but we always come back with if you don't, if you count the days between Sunday uh, and including Ash Wednesday and Holy Saturday, there are 46. I'm sorry. If you count the days between Ash Wednesday and Holy Saturday, there's 46. This was told to me by to my family by a priest that was at our parish about 25 years ago. So who's right? What is the church's stance and observation on this? Is this just a Polish thing or a Midwest thing? <laughs> uh, and he says, "Keep up the good work." So yeah, what's the question? Is yeah, do Sundays good. count as Lent? Or you know, if I give up, if I give up, you know, my cocoa puffs, uh, can I eat <laughs> cocoa puffs on Sunday, John? Well, you should never eat cocoa puffs because they're disgusting. But that's a whole other point. The uh, I guess my take is this: uh, It's Patrick. Is that right? Yeah. Um, 40 days, 
does not include Sundays, so I don't include Sundays. And maybe that's me being uh, no, lazy. it's not. That is, <laughs> but that's <laughs> what the church that's, teaches. That is the uh, that's the practice. That's the that's the practice. And if you want to be like super hardcore. But again, this goes back to leisure. Sundays should look different. Every Sunday should look different. It should be a moment of profound recreation. And one of the great things is if you're really pushing yourself in Lent, then you're going to love Sundays and you're going to you're just going to desire it because then you can eat cocoa puffs and uh, and do all that different crazy stuff. So I I would really uh, encourage it not just because you want a dispensation, but because it'll start to form you in a habit of the Lord's Day that hopefully after Lent will continue to deepen. That's a great point. And the other part of that, too, I think, which is great, is that there's always a tendency, especially for those who are young in their faith um, and enthusiastic, which is a great thing, but to kind of go uh, to the extreme of the Pelagianism extreme. Like, the Pelagianism Pelagianism pretty much is that I'm going to earn my way uh, into heaven. I'm going to make myself holy by doing X, Y, and Z. And that's actually a heresy condemned by the church that, you know, only Christ can. And and ascetical practices are important and need to be a part of our life, but uh, the danger is to go to that extreme. So actually, the Sunday break, I guess, if you will, from Lent is actually a great way to combat that, I guess, yeah. to say, you know, I'm going to be really intense this Lent, but I'm going to take Sundays off to kind of protect myself against this extreme of Pelagianism, trying right. to earn my way into heaven. I think so, that's a great point, yeah. It's good stuff. Good work, Patrick. Uh, eat, your coco- eat your Cocoa Puffs on Sunday. So, Yeah, Lent's coming up. Hard to believe. So. I know. It'll be good. Well, man, great having you back. Good to be back. Sorry to hear about your spill this morning, but... Uh, that's all right. That's all right. great job. So. Uh, yeah, it's great to be back. And, uh, you know, I just want to let everybody know, it's, uh, I loved listening to Joe and uh, Nathan these last two weeks, and um, it's just such a pleasure to do this. I just love it. This, we're, just, we're just talking about the greatest stuff in the world, and, uh, yeah, it's just every week is just great. So... Good to be back. Um, questions, comments, concerns, fears, anxieties, uh, Catholic Stuff Podcast at, at gmail.com on Facebook. We got a couple of comments we got to catch up on. Sorry for the emails I haven't responded to. <laughs> and I think that's about it. That's it. All right. Have All a right, good uh, have a good week. Okay, bye-bye.